0: Will Dwayne Wade be the last shooting guard to lead a championship team? Where does Wade's legacy fit in? Will positionless basketball eliminate traditional positions? The only question left is, say it with me, you win? Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast, today I am pleased to bring on senior NBA writer with the athletic and longtime friend of the breakdown Michael Lee. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: hey thanks for having me on man.
0: Hey, my pleasure it's been uh, we've been we've been talking for a long time I think I, I think we, we might have been going back since like the beginning of b-ball breakdown maybe like 2010, 2011 when we were interacting and doing stuff together I think that does that sound right to you?
1: Yeah yeah definitely back when I was with the post for sure.
0: Yeah, Washington Post and then all sorts of places on, on the uh, on your stops. And now you're the, the – you deservedly so the senior writer, senior NBA writer for The Athletic. <laughs> uh, I feel like we're partially related because I do do a weekly v- uh, video on, on The Athletic myself, so I could contact you directly through Slack. That's just exciting.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about an article you wrote uh, recently about Dwayne Wade and how he might end up being the last – you know, dominant two guard on a title team, and I was wondering what was the genesis of the idea? What, how did that even come into your head to begin with when you started to write this article?
1: Um, I, I've been thinking about it for a while now, um, primarily because I was uh, looking at like Devin Booker and his situation in Phoenix, and um, and I know that they've been trying to try to build a team around him, and they've been having a lot of struggles. And you know, he's just great talent. He's uh, you know invited to Team USA, and he's um, you know. Putting up have all-star numbers, but the team stinks. So, mm-hmm. and I was just wondering, I was like, man, is it, can you really build a really championship team around a shooting guard anymore? And I was just thinking about all the shooting guards in history that have been the foundation of a championship. And I was like, okay, yeah, there's Michael Jordan, um, there's Kobe Bryant, and there's Dwayne Wade. And then I was like, is there anybody else? And when I kept looking, I was like, oh, wow okay, <laughs> it's those three <laughs> and Jerry West are the only shooting guards that have ever been Finals MVP. And then I was like, okay, that's four in the history of the NBA. And Jerry West was on the losing team. Um, you know, he, he his team lost when he won Finals MVP. So there's only been three guys that have actually won the championship as the Finals MVP. And then I was like, oh, wait, Dwayne Wade's retiring this year. And it just sort of hit me that, you know, for all the credit that Dwayne Wade gets for being, you know, a great player, three time champion, you know, scoring champion, Olympian, everything that he's accomplished through his career, I don't think it's really been mentioned enough that he's the last shooting guard standing, you know, um, and I don't think people really understand how significant that is that he was the best player on a championship team at the shooting guard position because we know the whole history of the NBA. We know that big men uh, have typically been the main, um, <clears throat> you know, leaders of championship teams, going from George Mikan to Bill Russell to Will Chamberlain to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You can just go on the list of all the, the big men who have led their team to champ- teams championship, and then you have Michael Jordan sort of come through in the 90s, and I think one of the reasons why everyone sort of considers Michael being the, the GOAT or the greatest of all time is because he cracked through that 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 requirement for a big to dominate the league. You mm-hmm. know, he won six championships the shooting guard position, and you know, it had never happened before. Yeah. Um, and I think for him to be a little guy, relatively little—not me or you, but to like a seven footer—he's a little guy, and he's out there just kind of taking everybody's hearts for you know that period. And then you had Kobe, that sort of you know was in that same vein. And then just when I just thought about how Dwayne Wade sort of had his window there in 06 when he won the championship with the Heat, and it just sort of seemed to be the perfect storm where this combo guard, this tweener, who people didn't really know what he was when he entered the league, um, sort of took advantage of rules changes um, and just in everything from the pick-and-roll reliance on pick-and-rolls, and he just sort of became this dominant force. And he broke through and won a championship, and now on the way out, you can look back and sort of take a step back and really admire one what his career is, but also what he represents. In that, right now there doesn't appear to be anyone for him to pass the baton to as a championship, as a leader of a championship team at shooting guard.
0: Yeah, you know it's an interesting point because even though we would attribute Dwayne Wade to sort of the you know the standard shooting guard mold, like Kobe and like MJ. You know, if you look at that third year and they won the title in 5 06, he averaged like almost seven assists per game. And then he actually went up from there the next year, too. So um, I wonder if maybe, and if I'm not mistaken, the championship year he won against Dirk and against Dallas, that was the last year before. wait. When, when the rules changed, that that was the year the rules changed for 04,
1: oh, oh, 04 05 changed. That was okay. the year Steve Nash won the MVP.
0: Okay, right. And
1: you know that's when the point the whole point guard revolution started. When right. you needed to have an elite point guard to sort of be the foundation of a really successful team, that started right there with the, the change in the handshake rules, and um and just just trying to open up the game. It also ended that sort of isolation heavy basketball that you know kind of became the norm from Jordan's days and then everyone tried to sort of duplicate that with the Vince Carter or Tracy McGrady or all the um the Jordan heirs <laughs> that uh, that followed you know they were supposed to be the next in line everyone sort of followed that blueprint but it sort of led to some ugly basketball mm-hmm. low scoring basketball not entertaining basketball and you know you got to give credit to guys like Jerry Colangelo and just people within the league office who were really Ambitious and trying to open up the game and make it more fun and more watchable. And, um, in Dwayne Wade, what's happening, you know, his second year, if you look at just the numbers that he put up his second year, that's when he really became a star. And, um, and I remember covering the Washington Wizards, uh, that year, they, um, that they lost to the Heat in the second, in the first round. They got swept in the first round. I'm sorry. In the, in the second round, they got swept in the second round. And Shaq took the last two games off. Um, they rest up for the conference finals. <laughs> People don't realize this. Mm-hmm. That when, in 2005, the Shaq missed two playoff games um, you know, in the, sec- in the semifinals, primarily because there was, they had so much confidence Dwayne Wade could just handle it on his own, and he did. And I think he had a 40-point game maybe in the closeout. And uh, I remember Eddie Jordan would asked a question about Dwayne Wade, and his comment was like, you know, this will look back and we'll say a star is born.
0: Yeah. And
1: it really was when he emerged as a star, you know, they lost, you know, the pistons that year because he got hurt in the conference finals. But I just think, you know, that next year he came back and he was just, you know, he was just in a zone. And um, you know, I remember talking to Dwayne about just this whole situation, about why um, there hasn't been another student guard to lead a championship team. You know, Kobe obviously did, it. you know, I mean, but I'm just saying Kobe's already retired, so Dwayne's the last guy left. That's sort of what the yeah. whole point of it was, but because um, Kobe went ahead and did it in '9, in ten so he's a, he's the last guy to actually do it. But Wade's the last guy left. But that that, that, that period in '06 was just a unique period for him to sort of break through. Um, and so I asked him, you know, why there haven't been other shooting guards. And one of the reasons he said is that when LeBron came into the league, and he became the best player. The whole obsession around the league was, I got to get me one of him, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> like, I need somebody like that. I need a 6'9", six, 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 guy who's just going to be able to handle the ball and make plays for others, and just dominate and just make get make everybody clear out and get out the way, you know. And you know, you've seen now that Kevin Durant's been the Finals MVP the last two years, um, you know. So you sort of need that elite wing, especially at the small forward position or an elite point guard, see with Steph Curry, that you know if you have that, then you have a chance to win. But the shooting guard has sort of been marginalized, and you have some elite all-star shooting guards, but none of them are leading championship teams. James Harden is the reigning MVP. You know, Houston had a chance to probably win the championship last year. It's like Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, all the injuries that they had. Or even they make a three in game seven, <laughs> they don't miss 27 yeah. in a row. Uh, but the fact remains that it hasn't happened and that um, there's been a certain player. And, he you know, like always said, the best player in the game is typically going to be the guy that, that wins the championship or is there at the finish, you know. So um, I, I don't know if he's the last one or there never will be one, but um, it'll, I think it'll be a while before we just acknowledge a shooting guard as the unquestioned best player in the game. And I think that has to be the first step before another champion It's led by a shooting
0: guard. It's a huge weekend for the NBA as Golden State visits Philadelphia and we get KD versus Simmons. Plus, the Rockets are in Boston, and you know Kyrie versus Harden will bring some fireworks. And that means there is only one place to get in on all this action, and it's called betonline.ag. Sports, casino, virtual casino, you name it. BetOnline.ag is CLNS Media's preferred sportsbook online. Place your picks for those games and more this weekend by going online to sign up today at clnsmedia.com win. Try in-game live betting where you can participate in all the action with every play. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% cashback bonus on first deposit. That's clnsmedia.com slash win, and the code is CLNS50, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. You know, it's really interesting only because... You know, we the the definitions have changed as well, and so now we don't. Yeah, absolutely, really, yeah. like I don't know, like like why is Steph Curry a point guard at this point? He's averaging. I mean, we can't really use the number of assists per game in theory but he's only averaging five point three this year, and he really hasn't ever been a really high volume assist guy. He had uh, eight, I think, one year that maybe the first championship year. So it's like. You know, and certainly the way he plays now in their offense, you know, I would say he might be more of that of a two guard anyway. So I think maybe that that. Yeah, Reggie Miller
1: feels like he's he's a shooting guard as well. So yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, what does he know? But anyway, yes, uh, he uh, (laughs) that is right. So it's like you know, because again, like the Reggie Miller is a great example. He was a guy who literally just caught and catch and shoot. You know he would off the dribble a little bit, but he wasn't. He wasn't going to be there to set people up too much. Maybe he would drive the hole and like you know maybe kick out every once in a while, which is also an interesting thing because back then the idea like in the '90s and the '80s certainly, if you were to drive in the middle and then kick out for a three, like that was just ridiculous. Like you're in the lane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right
1: there. You're you're ten feet from the basket. Shoot it. Don't, yeah. Don't yeah. make no a twenty-three foot shot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly.
0: So so I, I, I,
1: yeah. I, I think it is debatable as to what positions are now. Like do positions even matter, you know. Um we're sort of in this positionless this era where you can have a seven footer like Giannis who is just out there uh, making plays for everybody, handling the ball. But what is he? You know, I mean he sometimes sometimes he's a small ball center, sometimes he's a small forward, then he's a power forward, then at times he's the point guard. So, you, you know, the guys play interchangeable positions now, so it's really hard. And, like, I, that's why I, I spoke to um, Rick Carlisle because right now Luka Doncic you know, is listed as a shooting guard for the Dallas Mavericks. And, you know, they pretty much invested a lot in building their team around him now because of just what he's done as a rookie. He's been really impressive. And so I asked him, is Luka a shooting guard? And he just said, I don't think we can really say right now because we got to figure out how this team is going to be built, you know, going forward. You know, and uh, I thought it was a unique quote just because what is, what is Luka Doncic? What, is, what are a lot of these guys now? Um, I think we sort of programmed ourselves just from tradition and just from just our basic knowledge of basketball that you have five positions. <laughs> you have a shooting guard, you have a point guard, you have a small forward, a power forward, and a center. But the game has evolved so much over time and, um, and it's really hard to put guys in boxes. But I think that our our typical idea of a shooting guard is someone between, you know, six three and six six. <laughs> and uh and and, and typically mm-hmm. plays off the ball, but sometimes will play on the ball. And that's that's sort of where Dwayne Wade falls.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I'm as we're speaking, I'm on b ball ref kind of just doing a quick search for what I think I'm looking at is like, who are the players, maybe between like 6'3 and I guess we can kind of go 6'8, who score at least 20 a game but get less than like three assists per game? Because that's sort of the Clay Thompson mold, right? And, and the question might end yeah. up being is, is Clay Thompson uh, uh, a museum piece at this point? Are we now seeing the loud, like, we, we're Mellow is now a complete dinosaur. We're probably not going to see mm-hmm. anybody who does the jab step ISO like that anymore. And I, and I don't know if we're going to find too many of these guys like Clay anymore, who are literally all they do is you know shoot and then move out the ball like the Rip Hamiltons. Yeah, and I'm wondering. The only like, guy I
1: could think of now is like a Buddy Hill in Sacramento.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I sort of feel like there there are certain uh, types of of guards now, and like you have a Donovan Mitchell in Utah, who seems to be right there in the um, in the uh, Dwayne yeah. Wade sort of mode, where he's a combo guard where you can't really call him a point guard, but he has the ball in his hands a lot. He's a shooting guard, but, you know. Um, so, But then you have a guy like, say, a, uh, Devin Booker, who I think when he came in the league would sort of be considered a Clay Thompson type, but given the the issues that the Suns have had at the point guard position the last couple of years, he's sort of been thrust into a playmaking role. Um, Bradley Beal would be seen typically as a traditional shooting guard, but now that John Wall's been out and he sort of had to carry the Wizards this year, he's doing a lot more playmaking. Um, You know, DeMar DeRozan is definitely somebody who is, I guess, from the Kobe Bryant tree Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, in terms of just how he likes to play. And I know he took a lot of pride in being a guy who would average, you know, 25 points, but not, shooting threes, you know, he's like the stat, I think Dwayne Wade and um, Michael Jordan, like in DeMar DeRozan, um, I can't remember what the scoring average was, but whatever the scoring average was, career high scoring average DeMar DeRozan had, he, those three were the only guys that did it without attempting threes, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of threes. So, um, but now he's in San Antonio where he, the ball is is, in his hand, he's averaging a career high assist this year. Um, So I think the position is evolving at shooting guard, and you have to be able to do more uh, to really be the leader of a team. Um, I think Clay Thompson is, benefits from the fact that he plays with a guy like Steph who you know can make plays for him, can find him in the corner. He also has a Draymond who makes plays for him, or Kevin Durant, who makes plays for him, so he can just be in that traditional role. And I don't think he has any issue. I don't think he's sitting around wishing he had the ball in his hands so that he can dribble more and, and do more. I think he's content with uh, getting his, you know, 25, 20, right. 25 points and just standing out in the corner, you know, having those games where he scores 60 on 11 dribbles. Right. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> uh, you know, like I said in the story, it's like he'll, he can, um, you know, go an entire game uh, having fewer dribbles than James Harden will have on a possession. You know? <laughs> right,
0: that's crazy. Well, we should give Clay a little bit of credit because he does come off some handoffs and he does try and penetrate, but it's definitely not much of it, not oh, of his course. thing really. But he, you know, and it's, I think it's yeah, there, more. There's no,
1: there's yeah, there's nobody just sits like just camps in the corner now. I mean, you got to be able to do more just to just to be on the floor. Just right. the, the the requirements of skill in today's game just you know makes it if you're just sort of a specialist that you you just you're you're not gonna. Be in a prominent role as a specialist, right? Well, although, be able to do
0: a lot. but we still have certain players like LeBron who like require the specialists because, and I think this is what it's interesting. Maybe like what we're the crux of the matter here is really about like, could you have five playmaking players who are equal in ability who can all do that because you might not be able to manage that, like we like what we're seeing with the Celtics right now, even though Kyrie is obviously a mm. disputed guy. But like, I, I wonder if. If you if you lack uh, too many of these guys who like really are just the quote unquote role players that do very specific things, I wonder if that's going to be a problem going forward, and especially as the uh, more and more players improve their skills more and more, like we're going to have better better ball handlers, better shooters, and all those things. So it's like the coaches are going to have a real have their hands full trying to figure out how to juggle that when indeed they will have more than they've ever had before on the one team of these guys that can all do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when you bring up the the Boston angle um, because sometimes you can't have too much of a good thing, and it makes it hard if guys aren't willing to accept roles or understand their roles. Um, But I think it's better for the game to have more skill out there. You know, I think that one of the reasons why, like, I am not – I mean, I grew up in that era, but I am not a fan of the 90s style of basketball is that there was just so many guys who were unskilled that played – because either they were just great defensive players or they just had just one, you know, skill they were special in, be it shooting or something else, and it sort of made for an ugly game. Um, I think that when you have, like, the Golden State Warriors, you know, as the counter where you have a bunch of skilled players out there on the floor, um, you know, guys who can make plays for others, it creates just a more beautiful
0: game to me. I, I hear you for sure, but also it requires an offense that allows all that beautiful basketball exactly. to come out. That's true, you know, and that's, that's the true. other thing, you know. Which you and, know, and and
1: and yeah. and I think you know you have a veteran situation with Golden State where guys are about winning at this stage of his career. Where I guess we look at a team like Boston, you still have young guys
0: mm-hmm. who are
1: trying to establish themselves and make a name for themselves, and that that sometimes it makes it diff- more difficult to sacrifice.
0: Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy to understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, Track your favorite companies and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Beeball Breakdown a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at breakdown.robinhood.com. Sure. Well, I mean, you can do a whole treatise on the Lakers, which they had a lot of the young guys making a name for themselves. You had some older guys who were just hanging on. Then you have LeBron. I mean, I don't think anyone is surprised that it's kind of gone the way it has and they've had to cut people, literally just cut them because it wasn't working. So um, I, I think that that might be the thing that that the GMs across the board generally and, and that kind of ignore is the chemistry notion and how these things will fit together ultimately? And instead, they look at these guys as more of as assets that they can somehow fit together in a, in a math puzzle. And I feel like certainly with the with the uh, the Celtics per se and the Lakers, it's like we found out that's not the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely takes a lot, and um, and I think that's that's what you know you got to give Dwayne Wade credit for, uh, even when he was um, he was a guy who was a MVP candidate, never won it, but and he's a scoring champion and then he decided to say, Hey, let me bring LeBron and Chris Bosh to my neighborhood and see what we can do together. And he made it happen because he was just willing to make make the sacrifices
0: and sort well, of but it, it took it, but him a while. A, right. It took him maybe Well the a first season. year,
1: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it took <laughs> him a season, but he did. He did it. And yeah. he wound up getting two more rings for it. And it allowed LeBron to become the LeBron that he is, that we all know and appreciate and admire now. And um, it sort of in some ways it it may have diminished uh, Wade and it may have led to him not being as appreciated, you know, until like where he is now where he's going out and fans are really showing how much they respect him. Uh, But I I think that it helped that he's he's in Miami and he gets to go out with the team that – we associate
0: them with. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's, it's a nice, it's always nice to do that when they can still play a little bit. I know we saw the Kareem, uh, farewell tour. I'm trying to think of the other guys they did that with, uh, not too many of the guys. Get Dr. That kind J. Of oh yeah. Dr. Dr. J. J was the
1: first one.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, was-
1: I remember, um, he, he didn't really have a farewell tour, but I remember when, uh, Kevin Garnett was in Brooklyn and, um, and I was like, man, you know, it's like, is he going to go out like this? Like where no one cares that he leaves? like he's you know, an influential player. You know, ushered him in the high school, to perhaps the pro era, and he was in Brooklyn, just kind of with his lousy team that was going nowhere. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to um, talking to uh, Flip Saunders about it, just how it was weird to see him. Like, like I knew he would. He couldn't retire as a Brooklyn net. It just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was saying that well, if he was in Minnesota or Boston, you know, places where his impact is felt then it, it probably probably would be appreciated a lot more. And then like two weeks later, he traded for him. And I was like, hey,
0: <laughs> did you I plant that
1: seed? Or, or were you already working on this? Um, and I think that's sort of what's, what's helping Wade on his way out. Because if Wade was, say, with the Cleveland Cavaliers or somewhere, or the Lakers or something, I don't think he'd be getting this kind of love. But the fact that he's with his original franchise and he's having those moments, you know, like he's beating the Warriors and, you know, beating his chest and in Miami where we, that's, that's where we are so used, so accustomed to him doing those feeds. Um, I think it helps. And I, I think it's good for him because I, I talked to Wayne just about how, you know, he's really starting to understand the influence that he had, he's had on the game, how much younger, the younger generation um, really admires him and appreciates it. appreciates him. him. Um, I think the, the one cool thing is like, uh, you know, Chris Paul was saying the other day that when the season began, the plan was for Dwayne Wade to have, um, you know, you know, jersey swaps <laughs> with Carmelo, Chris Paul, and LeBron. That was it. Mm-hmm. His, his, his banana boat brothers were going to be the guys <laughs> who he got their jerseys when they played each other, and they were. He's going to save those those jerseys and hang those on the wall. It'd be like going out with my brothers. Um, but you know, the minute that he made that first exchange, everybody wanted it. You know, guys were lining up to be the guy to get that Dwayne Wade jersey. And uh, it's sort of become this this really kind of beautiful thing to see at the end of every game. Like, who who gets the Dwayne Wade jersey?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, and I think it's, it's it's a great way for people to uh, – for players to, um, you know, make those acknowledgments. Uh, like Bradley Bill, you know, the last time that they were in Miami, you know, made it clear to Dwayne that – he was his idol and he's somebody he looked up to. And I think as a competitor, it's easier to say that to a guy that you know is leaving than somebody who's still trying to bust you, (laughs) you know, on a nightly basis. You know, you can really... Yeah,
0: yeah. I was just saying, at least they're not going to leave him uh, a rocking chair like they did uh, with uh, the rocking chair was with Kareem, I believe, to make fun of how old he was. Yeah, but <laughs> they uh, that, that are given it's it's a nice, definitely a nice moment. And uh, I, you know, here's the thing: that's interesting about his legacy and as he, what he's left of the game because he doesn't shoot threes, he cuts no. to the basket, which is probably the, his, one of his bigger traits that he has, which people don't even do that much anymore. So I wonder if the actual playing style itself is. Is not the biggest impact he's had in the game, only because we're, we're. It looks like the trend clearly looks to this point where they're that those two things are going away. You're not going to have shooting guards anymore that can't shoot threes, and you know everyone likes to spot up and stay in the behind the line when the, when the drive comes instead of cutting. So, I wonder if that's yeah. what, if that's the legacy is going to be his. I don't know what that is. What is his legacy ultimately? The, the way he played, how hard he played, or what?
1: Yeah, I mean, just that will, that sheer will, that competitiveness, and also that you know, that he led the evolution to where it is, where you see, say, a James Harden now, mm-hmm. um, who's, you know, a bit of a combo guard, playmaker, scorer, but he's always, he's also somebody who's taken that, say, playmaking and scoring from Wade that, you know, not not from Wade, but, you know, he's studied them, and then he added the three-point shot, you know, and sort of made it something that a requirement, and he has a step back, and so you can see the evolution from what the student guard position was to what it is now, but like I said, we growing up, the the, the image has been the Michael Jordan, you know, one uh, player dominates, you know, and everyone else is out the way, and then you had you know Kobe sort of follow that same routine, but then you had Wade, who was like, okay, I can score, but I also can make plays for others, so I'll do that, and now you see a guy like Harden, who does scoring playmaking with the three-point shot. So you see guys like Bradley Bill and um, Devin Booker and all these guys now, Dev, um, Donovan Mitchell, who sort of have to do the same thing. So you see the evolution. He just was the uh, hes the transitional player.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: He's the guy that took you from Kobe to Harden.
0: Right. And, and not to be overlooked, the, both Kobe and Andrew <laughs> played in the same offense, which allowed them to make that to win, where they weren't probably going to do that without it. So, uh, and again, the triangle doesn't have to be the end all be all, but it's, it certainly, uh, has a lot of the concepts that we're we are seeing now anyway. And that sort of uh, uh, led to them becoming more invincible than they were. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fascinating career that Wade has spanned. Uh, you know, is, he's, he's almost like those guys like, uh, oh crap, not Marty McSorley, but the other guy who was the last hockey player to wear a helmet. I always forget. And I'm going to look it up as we talk, <laughs> but, um,
1: Anyway, I definitely don't know hockey, so that, that would be
0: something that he would know better than me. I don't. I mean, listen, I don't, but I'm going to tell you right now because I always forget it and it takes. Yeah, Craig McTavish. He's got the nice, uh, the nice mullet and everything out there, but nonetheless, um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's a fascinating take on on a thing where you know I, everything's in cycles. I, I don't. I don't think you can ever say never, right? As far as they'll never have a, a, a no. quote unquote shooting guard like that to win. Um, but it is interesting that even, you know, when we're talking about the big man domination that had happened and then it went, 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 went away, we still in the draft are drafting these like big men who are more traditional looking big men. Like uh, even, you know, in uh, with Phoenix this year, um, they Taking
1: eight and over Doncic, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Over, yeah. You know, and it's like the guy you want to be drafting is like the six, eight guy that can shoot threes. And yet, those guys still, and who are, you know, athletic. And there are those guys out there. They're just getting drafted like ninth or tenth. It's still so bizarre to me that these these executives are still clinging to, you know, or valuing overall these, this like the, the big man.
1: Well, I mean, it still is, it still says something that you can get, you know, points at the rim. I mean, if you can do that and you got a big guy who can uh, intimidate on the defensive end, then it's kind of hard to resist. And, uh, you know, Although uh, you've also seen situations where, you know, Portland probably wishes that it had taken Kevin Durant over Greg Oden now, even though at the time everybody was like, oh, you got to get the big man. Well, what about the freakish 7 foot forward who can do everything, shoot from anywhere, <laughs> make any shot possible, be efficient, and lead you to two
0: championships? <laughs> right. Well, how about this? If you look at all the, the lists of uh, the last, you know, however many title winners, who had a dominant big man that that would that whose main great attribute was protecting the rim? Um, I don't I don't think I see anybody on this list going back a ways. I'm
1: trying to think of the last one. Um, I mean, honestly, the last not I do not say dominant, but like the last like good, really good defensive center uh, on a championship team. You, I mean, other than say Tim Duncan, <laughs> but okay. before that, it Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler. On the uh, right. eleven um, Mavericks, but you're right that he didn't have one. The Warriors didn't have, have one. didn't have one. did have one. Yeah,
0: uh, um, yeah. I mean the Spurs. We we'll have to kind of. Then we have to argue a whole another thing. It was like was was uh, Duncan the center, or was he not? And and can we say yeah. that Duncan was like the rim protecting? I mean, I guess he blocked shots and he did that. He, I thought. He yeah, was but more, yeah,
1: he, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. You know, like Hakeem one with it. Yeah, so
0: all of a sudden we're starting. To, I no, no, I'm painting the picture here of like, okay, I think we could find you know an energetic big man that's going to run the rim. You can you know, can throw lobs to him. I think you can find the guy that you need for a title team. You know, lower down in the draft than when we than the, the way they valued them. And I, I will probably you know the the Clint Capella kind of guy you could always find. I feel like later on, and they yet they still you know try and waste the draft pick at the at the top or so, Rudy Gobert. But I, mean,
1: I think it also takes a while for a lot of big men to. Coming to their own, too. It's I can't not, talk about it because,
0: yeah, the, the jazz fans have abandoned me for making fun of his hands. Oh, no. Well, you know, his hands aren't great, right? No, they're not,
1: but. They, they they are they are great when it comes to sending the
0: shot the other direction. Oh, okay, sure. On the end, the defensive end for sure. I I'm just thinking whenever he rolls in, <laughs> I pointed out and they get upset. So um, anyhow, I apologize. Well, let's, let's,
1: let's not even let's not even let's not even
0: go there. No, but anyway, <laughs> well, let's let's uh, wrap this up as far as um, what we're talking about with with Dwayne Wade. It's a fantastic article, and in fact, you've already written. You were so prolific. You've written a few more in the interim that everyone should get head over to the athletic to read. <laughs> what's your What's the latest you have up there on the athletic?
1: Uh, I have a piece on actually big men, uh, the Portland Trailblazers, <laughs> and just what they're doing with Yus- Yusuf Nurkic in the addition of Venus Cantor and just how they're you know you know trying to get more talent and having two low post presence um, on presence on floor at all times. You know just making sure that whenever Nurkic sits, there's a canter there, and how you know the Blazers have you know um, come up small in the postseason last year, but just how you know they're going big to try to make sure they don't do it again.
0: Uh, you know, I haven't checked yet because I need to get my eyeballs on that, but um, they're not playing them together at all, are they?
1: No, they shouldn't. But but, it's, it's, but they are, you know, hey. making sure that there's somebody out there who can get the offensive glass. I mean, it does affect that Collins. Um, maybe they'll find a way to incorporate him as they just figure out what, what's working and what's not. But I think Nurkic is having a great year, and we know that he's a great trash talker, but he's also, you know, become much more consistent this year. He's having you know, the best season of his career. I think he's finding comfort zone, and he's not just scoring and rebounding. He's also improving his assists, and it's taking a lot of pressure off Dame Lillard and, uh, and CJ McCollum to have to carry the team every night. And I think that's one of the reasons why you know Portland's a team that people are kind of sleeping on, and that they, right now I don't think people think they're going to get out of the first round because they're, a lot, they're last they're they're um matched up with Houston, in it. but um but they got talent now. You know they got Rodney Hood and they have a lot of pieces that aren't necessarily, you know, world, world beaters, but I think that um, you don't always have to swing for the fences when you acquire talent. You've got to swing for the right, you know, swing for the right, uh, you know, advance the runners. But you got yeah. to advance the runner, you know, and I think that's sort of what Portland's done, taking up Rodney Hood and his Kanter, that it's not that they're trying to hit a home run. Um, they're just trying to, Get a little further, so they can um, have a have a nice
0: rally. For sure, and, for, and, and you know, use some,
1: bas- some baseball per, uh, terminology.
0: So. <laughs> right. Well, shout out to Neil O'Shea for he's one guy who seems to understand you know chemistry and how to, uh, pieces fit together. So, a, a great, great point on the Blazers. I'm gonna keep my eye on them as well. Maybe even get a video out. So, well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Michael. Fantastic stuff. I uh, can't wait to read more from you at the Athletic, and uh, you have to come back on uh, maybe before the season ends. Yeah, man, just
1: whatever. Just give me a buzz and I'm
0: here. All right, you got it. And don't forget, sports fans, that B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Michael? Always, man.